We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Field of 68, an all-encompassing digital network of podcasts, live streams, and newsletters that cover the sport at every level on every platform. Sirius XM, Channel 84. You are watching the Field of 68. For the first time, our network brings you a live game broadcast. Mike Popwell for the win! This is Ruth Pearl. Sean Shire. Sean Miller. I love the Field of 16. I listen to you guys every morning. Are we still live? You can't yeah. on my radar. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors, the only way to keep up college basketball is through the Field of 68. Welcome into Floyd Street's Finest. I am not Jeff Greer. Uh, Jeff Greer is here, though, but I am not Jeff Greer. Um, I am Jack Grossman, joined by Coach Mark Lieberman and, of course, Jeff Greer here on a new a new season, a new edition, a new version of Floyd Treats Finest here on the Field of 68 Media Network. Super excited to be here. Why am I the one talking today instead of just producing or talking? Well, we're going to have a little bit of a new feel this year on Floyd Treats Finest. Um Basically, I'll, I'll let Jeff probably take the reins here, let him explain in his words. But basically, we're having a little bit of a pa- passing of the baton here on Floyd Street's Fine. It's something I couldn't be more excited about. But, uh, Jeff, I'll go ahead and let you, you know, take it away here. As another man with great hair once said, the torch has been passed to a new generation. Um, I, uh, I I am getting a haircut today. It's gotten a little pretty. I don't believe I you. I didn't realize how poofy it was until I sat on this uh, Zoom with you guys. No, I'm really excited for uh, for this next step for Floyd Street's finest. Um, as you guys know from our previous episodes, um, I had always been pushing uh, my newsletter as well uh, that I had for a couple of years. Life happens. Um, and uh, having a toddler at home, having a day, a full-time day job that requires a lot of travel, a lot of odd hours, just was not feasible to maintain the newsletter. And as we have gone along, we realized, don't, I can't give you what I want to give you, which is wall-to-wall podcasting all the time uh, weekly. So Jack has taken the reins. I will still be popping on uh, every now and then. I don't want to be the the weirdo dad lingering on my old show 
so Jack will have me as is needed. And I know uh, having Mark here, I'm sure Mark will be a regular guest as well. Uh, so we'll make sure to have a good rotating group of folks uh, supporting Jack, but uh, the show's in capable hands and Jack is going to take this thing and run with it uh, this year and beyond. So there you go. Thanks, Jeff. I know. Um, no, go ahead, coach. Well, I was just going to say, just uh, hovering like uh, Huggy Bear at the uh, West Virginia <laughs> game as well. So, yeah. yeah. Not, a, oh. not a good look. That was great. <laughs> I saw uh, I was like, eh, that's uh, not ideal. Uh, <laughs> it's a little cringeworthy. Yeah. It's okay. More uncomfortable than a tight sweater on Thanksgiving. Correct. Ooh. Well played. Yeah, you never want that. But anyways, Jeff is obviously – been phenomenal the past couple years he's let me you know stick around produce the past couple years and I couldn't be more excited to have the opportunity to take over for those who don't know me grew up in Louisville Kentucky went to DuPont Manual High School went to probably 100 150 Louisville games growing up Um, so I grew up obsessed with the program upset and and that grew into an obsession with college basketball went to Indiana University did podcasting, broadcasts, um, worked with the suit radio station, among other things there, worked for ESPN Louisville for a couple years, years uh, producing, hosting, doing a bunch of different stuff there, uh, covered Kentucky games of all things, something I never thought I would be doing growing up, <laughs> uh, but but a lot of fun nevertheless. And since January, I've been working in Atlanta for a company called Hawkeye Innovations, a sports technology company in their baseball and now basketball departments. So that's been very different. We can talk about that another time, but I could not be more excited to be getting kind of jumping back into the media realm fully here uh, doing it. And I think a very perfect setup for me to be able to do this from Atlanta, to do this um, with someone like, you know, coach Lieberman, who, who I really, really am excited to get to work with and to have the opportunity that uh, Rob Doster and Goodman and, and really you Jeff have given me here. So I'm super, super excited to get started and really Really grateful for the opportunity and just really excited to get started. So, Coach, if I, I'm sure most people know who you are, but if you want to just introduce yourself, who you are, kind of where you've been through here, then we'll get into uh, the mess of what happened on Monday night here in, in, in Louisville. <laughs> well, first, I'm 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 retro 1990s with the uh, with the earphone uh, earbud. Love it. Actually, the the wire while you guys got the uh, the really advanced. Big time head. Oh, I I, I got a wire. Don't worry. (laughs) We're all wired up. We're okay. Like everything else, they can't see yours. They can see mine. So, um, (laughs) yeah, um, uh, coached at Monsignor Pace for for 12 years. Was lucky enough to to coach some really good players. Um, Coached McDonald's All-American game. Then went to work for Coach Patino. Was an assistant for two years uh, on his staff when we went to the Final Four. Coached at Southeastern Louisiana, coached at FIU, was the associate head coach of both places. Moved back to Louisville to be around my nine-year-old daughter, and uh, and happy to be back. And now doing some stuff with uh, ESPN Radio, and uh, got a chance to broadcast one of the games, be the analyst for the for the uh, for the radio show. Uh, excuse me for the radio broadcast. Uh, so yeah, excited to be here. And uh, Jeff's been a, a good friend of mine for for uh, a bunch of years. He's a wonderful writer and. Uh, um, got to know Jack through ESPN as well. So, hey, let's do this. Absolutely. And, of course, when I envisioned this, I was like, okay, 
Wednesday before the season starts, we could react to the exhibitions <laughs> a little bit, do a little bit of, you know, big picture. What do they need to do to have a successful season? What does Kenny Payne need to do? And then they lay a massive egg against Kentucky Wesleyan. Second year in a row, Louisville's lost to a D2 program. I, I do want to get to all the big picture stuff, but considering where this might head for the rest of the year, I'm not sure how many chances we'll get to actually break down what happened in a game because people will be mad at what happened in a game or happy about it. You know, things do happen. So I I do want to just cover kind of what went wrong for Louisville in this game, especially also because it is so early in the season. It's, you know, even though they lost and it's bad, it technically doesn't go against the win-loss record. So if, if you're optimistic, you can say, well, you know, there's time to still get it together. They There's, you know... They can still improve all that stuff. So I do want to look at a couple different things. The first thing, obviously, and I'll throw this to one of you guys. How the heck does a Division II team outscore an ACC team 18-2 to in second chance points and out-rebound them by 14? How does that happen? Well, well um, one thing is, you know, if you're going to have guys on the floor and there, there's two, two schools of thought, either you're an absolute – beast and you're obsessed with rebounding and you rebound out of your area and it doesn't matter you don't have to hit guys you're just gonna go get it or you're gonna be a physical team and you're gonna hit other bodies and i i have always used the term car crash rather than box outs because i want to be as physical as possible and if you know this during this game the second chance points a lot of times on long shots it's gonna be long rebounds and it's it's something that's a it's taught to players you watch the louisville team Every time a three was taken, their first step was towards the basket. It's innate. It's normal. It happens. But you got to teach the opposite. you got to teach, hey, on a long shot, I'm stepping towards the guy I'm guarding. I'm trying to hit him. If he's going to release and get back in transition, that's fine. I'm in great position to get that long rebound. And so that didn't happen. There's a lot of shots that went over their head. doesn't matter your size. When you take that initial step in, it can really hurt you in the offensive rebounding for your opponent. So is it as simple as just Wesleyan took a lot of long shots, a lot, lot of three-pointers, a lot of deep jumpers, missed a bunch of them? Because they did only shoot like 30% in the game, which again leads to like, how do you lose to a D2 team that shoots 30% from the field? You give up a bunch of rebounds. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. But is there anything like, because I know a lot of people have been mad, mad, you know, Kenny Payne, even post game with the uh, talent quote, which we can get to that a little bit later, but talking about the effort, is it purely an effort thing or, or is it more, look, they're not drilling this correctly. They're not, catch, or they're not catching on to what they're trying to drill correctly. Can I, well, can I just, well, can I throw one thing out yeah, here, Mark, absolutely. that I think, that I think sure. is really important. What you're talking about is like, I mean, and you would say this yourself. I mean, that is a fundamental thing that you are taught. And and I obviously, both of you know, my stature as a human being obviously was never going to get past uh, high school and, and AAU and travel basketball as a, as a, uh, a teenager, but we were taught how to pursue long rebounds and things like that at that age like th- this is these are basic basketball things that um yeah i mean you you find a body you box them out um you prevent long rebounds from hitting the floor they should not be bouncing they should not be something that in a 50-50 pursuit uh first of all there shouldn't be a 50-50 pursuit if a team is is fundamentally rebounding the way they should be and physical, the fundamentals of physicality following that one and two, if there is a 50 50 battle and you're the defensive team and you just and I, I realize the game has changed significantly, but you probably view it as a win. If you get a jump shot, if you get a missed jump shot on a defensive possession, that's a win most of the time. And uh, you know, barring a, a 50% three-point shooter, 40% three-point shooter being wide open in the corner, a lot of those times you're saying, okay, this is a win defensively for me. Go get the rebound. I mean, it, it's it's a – I realize I sound like uh, just a, a an old dude shouting from the stands, but sometimes, like, that's the most fundamental thing that a good team, that a, even an average team should be able to do is you play defense – for X number of seconds through the shot clock, you force a jump shot, you go get the rebound. That's a win. I know people even to mention the name probably causes uh, chills down people's spines, which probably is a little bit of an overreaction, but that was something that Chris Mack talked a lot about when he was teaching uh, the pack line, the hybrid pack line that he, that he would teach is you get one shot and your team wins in that possession. If you force a jump shot, it's contested, or at least it's a tough jump shot, you go get the rebound. I mean, that's a basic fundamental thing. And if you're not doing that against Kentucky Wesleyan, we can't have a conversation about just a game because that is a that is a symptom of a much larger 
problem to me. And I think that's where this conversation, unfortunately, it feels like every conversation about Louisville is headed at this point and has been for a year is you can't just talk about one game because it feels like it's a symptom of a much larger problem. And, and I think the best example of that, I mean, take five minute mark. You're not in, a, in an, in an ideal spot. You're trailing 50 to 49, but you still, at that point, you have a very you know, good chance of winning the game. You're down one. Kentucky Wesleyan misses a free throw. And you talk about, you know, high school stuff. I remember playing elementary school basketball. The one <laughs> thing you could not do is give up an offensive rebound off of a missed free throw. And Louisville gives up an offensive rebound, kick out three, Wesleyan hits it, four-point game. You look at the next six defensive possessions. Other than a possession where they got a steal and a layup, you had one of the following happen on every single possession. A miscommunication for a wide-open three, an offensive rebound, a Sky Clark missing, you know, not being able to stay in front of his man, giving up a straight line drive, leading to another wide open three. Or the combination of JJ Trainer, Mike James, and Trey White. I'm not going to go in detail every single possession, but I did chart all these possessions of those three guys having either a miscommunication or a defensive breakdown leading to a dude being wide open. So even though in the next four and a half minutes, Louisville scored eight points. Instead of being down one, they found themselves down 62-57 with a minute 37 left. And I'm looking there watching this game like, these are all incredibly simple things. Like, J.J. Trainer, there's a dude wide open under the basket. You got to rotate over and cover him. Sky Clark, you need to stay in front of your man to keep the defense from collapsing. You got to grab an offensive rebound off of a missed free throw. And I look at all those things, and as you said, Jeff, it's a microcosm of, of what's gone wrong with this program the last couple years. When you get down to it, when you need to get stops, you're making stupid, silly mental mistakes that a fourth or fifth grade basketball coach would be getting on you about. Well, to, uh, to Jeff's point, and, and he's, he's exactly right. I mean, the Riley quote, no rebounds, no rings. I mean, you know, you, I, I could break down um, every meticulous detail as far as even when you were talking, Jack, about the free throws. You want your feet pointed towards, you know, you're the guy that you're going to hit and your hands need to be above your elbow. So there's a bunch of little things from a standpoint, but it's not what you teach, it's what you emphasize. And for me, that's something that is ingrained. Like that's, and this goes back, this harks back exactly, Jeff, to, to you know, and Jack, what, I truly believe when you don't have an identity, when you don't have something that your team intru- you know, just intrinsically believes in and it says, okay, we are, we are going to get a stop. You mentioned tough twos is what we all as coaches, yeah, we want to force tough twos. And then what we do is we call it finishing the job, which is finish the job. Every day that's emphasized. When I'm coaching, it's emphasized. Finish the job. Finishing the job is rebounding the basketball. Out of your area, hitting, scrapping is coming up with it. The signs of toughness that you talk about, it's a buzzword and everything. That's toughness. Find a way to come up with that rebound. You want to hit. You want a car crash. You want to take a step back. You want to understand where shots are coming from. You have to understand that's finishing the job. And that's the part on the defensive end that they really struggle on is finishing the job. And it doesn't seem like there's guys that inherently just understand, okay, this is – we don't have um, Dennis Rodman who's just going to clean up every board. 
you're not going to expect Dennis Evans at his size. He's not going to be able to hold his ground. He's going to be, you know, physically, he's going to be moved. He's not going to be able to seal guys. His length is going to bother people. I just don't think he's going to be a great rebounder this year, not because of effort, just because of physicality. So you have to have guys that will just absolutely get in there. And as a coach, you don't take out off players off the floor who rebound the basketball. So, you know, that was a big thing. Obviously, the, the long shots and long rebounds. But there's, there's a deeper issue there as far as understanding, hey, we're forcing tough twos. We're forcing skips and fades. We're not allowing basket cuts. We are forcing you to take the shots that we are dictating to you. And, you know, and they just they couldn't get those, those – they couldn't finish the job um, in the second half, especially late. And, and one, one thing to throw out there, Mark, off that is – I know the, the quote um, that had everyone all upset about the talent – um, the talent level mm-hmm. um, that that team to me rebounded like a team that thought it could just stick its arms up essentially and be bigger and more athletic than its opponent. Yes. And yes. you mentioned, you mentioned, you know, having a, a kid like Dennis Evans, who, who, you know, is, is obviously a, a freak athlete at his size, but at the same time, he's not going to be able to stand there and clear out space and, and, and get low and push, you know, the six, seven, two forty centers uh, that, that he's going to come up against in it through the rest of his career, even in the NBA, there's going to be guys who are um, who are still built that way, who are a little bit smaller, but they're physical. They're, they're, they're tough. Um, and that's where you're, smaller quote unquote, smaller players, your guys who are perimeter guys, your guys who are wings, that's where they need to step in and be willing to make up that, that extra effort and say, look, I, I might not be the guy who you're expecting to get 12 rebounds, but I'm going to be disruptive enough to help my guy who you think is going to get the 12 rebounds, get 12 rebounds. Um, and, and then I look, you know, you, you look down the, the uh, box score and you see 23 fouls drawn, you see 38 free throws attempted. So that tells me that this team is being physical on the other end. They're being physical enough on the other end to get to the free throw line. They're drawing fouls, the efficiency of folks across the country and across the world who care about that kind of stuff. That's great. That's a great number to me. Those are two great numbers, 23 fouls drawn 38 free throws. That's a, that's really good. They made 31 of 38. And I know, um, that was kind of a, a joking point uh, through the course of the game on Monday night was the amount of free throws, but if my team's going to get that many free throw attempts on one end of the floor, and maybe some of that is that the, is the advantage mm-hmm. of talent and athleticism against an opponent that you should be able well, to draw some fouls against Mark. That that's the thing, Jeff. Yeah. And I, I don't, um, I don't mean to interrupt your thought, but I, I believe that's, that's a little bit of fool's gold because a lot of those could be. Yeah. Yeah. It, sh- it probably last, is. Last, yeah, last five minutes, they're really attacking. Sky Clark, I think, shot eight free throws in the last four minutes because he understood the sense, or he's just putting his head down and getting to the basket. And but if you're but in that have... but in that mm-hmm. point though, Mark, the sense of urgency, the attacking, that needs to be on both ends of the floor. That you know, that that's oh, no the question. description yeah. of attacking defensively. Mm-hmm through the course of 40 minutes. I, I that's more my right. point, but yes, you're, you're right. Probably a little bit of fool's gold, but it's still a nice number to look at. And you say, okay, it, ha- this team has it in them somewhere to find that. So how do you extend that out to not when you're down five points to a D two opponent in an exhibition game? 
Well, I, I don't think they're going to get as many opportunities as the as the teams get better and the floor yes. shrinks. Yeah. That's they're fair. not going to have fair. the gaps and the driving lanes, and there's going to be guys who will be able to wall up, to shot block, who are more athletic than the Kentucky Wesleyan. So the shots that they were getting to the line on won't be the same shots they're going to get in the mm. ACC play against Texas, even against the UMBC in Chattanooga. So I think yeah. those things are going to go exponentially yeah. down. And to say that you're going to rely on, I understand for fans, that's a positive. Hey, we got to the free throw line. I just don't think they're going to get those opportunities against more athletic teams that can catch your move and keep you in front a lot better than Kentucky Wesleyan game. And that's one of those things you look at, like even the Simmons College game, where Louisville wins by what, 30, 40, 45 points? You look at that game, they go, okay. How much of that is is they're actually better? How much of that is the talent they're playing? You could look at a thing like in that game, even though Louisville only turned it over 10 times in the Kentucky Wesleyan game, turning the ball over 22 times against a team like Simmons College, that is kind of enforcing, which gets reinforced with with the uh, issues we've talked about in the Wesleyan game of lack of you know attention to detail, lack of effort, lack of doing the basic things you need to do to be a competent basketball team. So, coach, you brought you brought this up, you know, even against mm-hmm. a team like a UMBC or a Chattanooga or a Coppin State, even probably not as much Coppin State. I think they're somewhere in the 300s in Ken Palm, but but UMBC and Chattanooga, especially who I believe was in the NCAA tournament last year, is a pretty good mid-major program. What needs yeah, to change? They are. Yeah, what, what needs to change between now and and the start of the season on Monday to where Louisville can get to where they need to be. Because let's face it, they need to win all three of those games. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They need to win all three of those Mm -hmm. games. Well, um, the first thing about the turnovers, um, in this game there was a more concerted effort to run through and to finish the end of their plays. What I mean by that is they weren't trying to make plays off the first or second pass like they did against Simmons. And they were dribbling into crowds instead of drawing crowds. The issue was that was for this game against Wesleyan, they were running through stuff. They were getting the ball, and the ball was not sticking. But they weren't they weren't reading the defense, so they ended up taking a contested shot rather than hey. And they were just being so so early with all their action instead of being late reading the defense, reading the screen, setting good screens. So that really was why the turnovers went down but they just weren't getting still good shots out of their offense. As far as going into the next few games, um, yeah, I, I would say the biggest thing, I, I've been saying that since the summer, and people were saying, well, exhibition games don't mean as much and so on. For this Louisville team, yeah, this game, um, this game meant a lot because you want to say, okay, this is the product. No matter what you're doing in practice, no matter what you're doing behind the scenes, that's got to translate to the floor, and, and we haven't seen that. And it goes back to having – and identity, and that's something you establish day one. What are you? Are we going to be the most physical team in the league? We're going to contest every shot. We're going to contest every dribble. We're going to contest every cut. You're not going to get a paint touch. We're going to limit you to six paint touches a game. If that, you're not – no layups. You know, we're going to do all those type of things. I don't know what their identity is, and I don't think they know it going into these games, and that's the point where, yeah, as a coaching staff, you, you know, you have to have a vision and you have to understand this is what we have to do because we're now facing the upgrade of talent against teams that now feel they have a chance coming in here to win a basketball game. So I just think they have to establish who they are. I know that sounds kind of um, 
ambiguous or maybe even cryptic, but it, it's so important that your team knows this is what we want to do. This is how we're going to do it. And even on the offensive end, we want to make sure our first three possessions, we are, we are force feeding the post and we want to get maybe split action. And on defense, we are sprinting back. We're pointing. We're not giving up any easy baskets. And like I talked about, we're forcing, as Jeff alluded to, we're forcing tough twos and we're car crashing. And then we're going to get out and run, which they have athleticism. They have talent. They do. And I think if they just haven't put that together or understand whys, the whys of the game. And, and that's the part that's frustrating. So there's a, there's a thing in journalism, Jack, and I'll be quick on this one because uh, I'm sure you've got some thoughts to add to this too, obviously. But there was a thing that that I that really helped me. It was a, a, a lesson that was kind of handed down to me by a veteran sports writer. I would be sitting on a, you know, some feature story about something. I felt like I had a great little anecdote to kind of lead the story. And next thing I knew, I had written, you know, however many words. And you're just sitting there and you're thinking – this does something doesn't feel right. So you stop what you're doing. You take a step back, you take a deep breath and you say, what am I writing about? And you write one sentence, a paragraph, whatever, what is this story about? And I think you can apply that to most situations. It doesn't have to be writing a story. You could be digging a ditch and then you stop and, and stand back and say, okay, what are we doing? Well, you're actually bricklaying here. You're trying to lay a, a perimeter bricks on your garden or whatever it is. Right. And in this case, I think it's one of those things where that conversation, they just came back and they're like, at least from the outside looking in, because I'm not at practice every day. I'm not in their film sessions. I'm not in those conversations where they have team meetings and stuff like that. So I don't know. We don't know like what type of conversations they have as tone setting conversations, but it just, again, these are all symptoms. It feels like symptoms of something where they don't have a clear image of what it is. So to go back to, like we talked about missing the rebounds, um, playing with some urgency towards the end. Yes, you're, you're right. Maybe they aren't drawing those fouls against the Syracuses and the, uh, and the pits as the lights go out in the building in the room that I'm sitting in, that is a motion sensor that is embarrassing. And it's happened to me multiple times. Um, here we go. I'm back. Um, but those are symptoms. Those are symptoms of something that is a larger issue, which is, uh, to Mark's point is that they're not quite sure what they are. And so I, we're looking at the start of the season and we're not even able to have a conversation about uh, how do you build on whatever um, because th there have been those stumbles. Now there have been teams that have recovered from exhibition losses. I think Syracuse lost an exhibition game a couple of years ago and ended up going to the NCAA tournament. I'm sure there are a billion other examples of that. So it's not impossible um, but, but where the team, I think maybe runs into some issues and to Mark's point about not finishing or reading or thinking on their own at the end of a set, once they've run through everything, the shot clock's winding down, they didn't get the look they wanted. You've got players who are confident enough, who are savvy enough to know, okay, this is not a situation that we want to be taking a, a, a contested jump shot in. I understand what's asked of me enough to know now's our opportunity to show some of that organic chemistry that has developed over the summertime. I'm going to break this man down and find somebody a shot. I'm going to break this guy down and get my shot, whatever that is. The fact that we're not seeing that in these exhibition games is concerning. And so we're already to the conversation of they have to win X game. And again, 
I hope that nobody inside those walls is paying attention to any of it, but we all know that it's virtually impossible to put up all those walls and just keep working away at the things that are going to come back to you on film because you can't go to Jimmy John's without hearing about whatever's going on with the Louisville basketball program in the city. So it's, it's again, these are all You're symptoms of a hungry. larger issue. I know I'm hungry too. It's lunchtime, but yes, I just, it, it's concerning Jack that it's like, okay, you just lost an exhibition game to a D2 opponent and now we're talking about these must-win games that in previous years you're saying, yeah, my school paid $90,000 to play this game so that we could just run out and win by 30 and and learn from, from wins, uh, and it's unhealthy. Yeah, I mean, both of you guys have brought it up, but the fact that Louisville was in a spot to where they could not lose an exhibition game. I, I, I'll compare it quickly to um because I know we're running out of time here uh with Kentucky and Indiana the two other you know power conference local teams in the area Kentucky leads Georgetown College by one at halftime Indiana trailed Indianapolis by two at halftime of those exhibition games over the weekend but there's not this massive sense of panic from those teams and the from those fan bases they certainly weren't happy about that but those teams were both able to go on win by like 22 23 points each but you can kind of take the long view of, okay, these are competent programs. People aren't the happiest with Calipari right now, but at the end of the day, they aren't worried about them losing a bunch of games to, you know, cupcake teams to where you can say, okay, you're putting a lot of new guys together. It's clearly taking some time. Wasn't ideal of a start, but they got their crap together. Whatever you can move on. When you go four and 28 last year, you don't get that luxury. You just don't. And that's where you look at and you say that, say there needed to be more of a sense of urgency going into that game for for Kentucky Wesleyan. So kind of what I look at now is 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 a, another I kind of want to compare it to Kentucky again because you're talking about, you know, we've brought up the talent quote and all that stuff. One of the things that has surprised me more than any well, a lot of surprised me throughout the last couple of years. <laughs> but I know I know Louisville fans aren't going to like the name I bring up, but you watch John Calipari pressers when Kentucky struggles. What happens? Calipari deflects all the blame from the players and puts it on himself and says, I got to do a better job of putting these guys into better positions. Blame me, not, you know, the the five star freshmen that are 17, 18, 19 years old. With Kenny Payne coming from the Calipari coaching tree and and obviously with the struggles Louisville's had. I find it interesting that instead of deflecting the blame off of the players, last year the big mantra was we got to heal. I, I got to love them up. They've been through so much. But now it's it's become more of, you know, we aren't talented. We aren't fighting. We aren't doing this things, these stuff. And I feel like he's almost deflecting it away from himself and trying to put it on more of the players, which – Obviously, the players deserve blame for, you know, losing an exhibition game, for going 4-28. and By the end of the day, anything that you criticize the players for in college basketball comes back to the head coach. And that's that's the one that's getting the final judge, jury, and, you know, to hit the gavel. I, I'm, I'm butchering the saying, but, <laughs> but, but uh, the judge, jury, and the executioner, there we go. To where I kind of find it surprising. I don't think it serves anyone well for Kenny Payne to be pushing the blame more onto the players. And I feel like it's putting even extra pressure and extra blame and probably isn't setting a great tone for where things are. And, and Coach, you can 
speak this probably better than I can because you've been in those locker rooms before. And I know Rick Pitino is about is as much of a negative enforcer as anyone, and he did brilliant work with that. But I look at it and with for all that's gone wrong, I think Kenny Payne probably needs to take more responsibility for what's happened throughout multiple years now with this. It's not just the same group of guys each time. Well, I also think, uh, and Jeff knows this, there, there's times in that setting, um, it's almost like a default that Coach Payne goes to. And I really think if you look back, I don't take a lot of stock in press conferences, especially for new coaches who haven't done it. And you have the Calipari's, you have the Ricatinos of the world who just, who understand when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What they're supposed to be saying and how to, no matter what they're saying behind closed doors to their team and they're ripping everybody from coaches to players and so on, they might come out and Coach Patino saying, yeah, it's, it's good that we lost. Now, he's not saying the same thing to his team and to his players and his coaches. For Coach Payne, that hasn't been something that, that he understands. And I, I don't think, you know, it's almost um, where I don't even want to say out-of-body experience. He's just going to some of the, the coaches speak. And at times, I'm sure if he reflects back on it and say, ah, I wish I could have said this, that, or the other. So, so yeah, I, it's, not, it's not a good look. It, he hasn't, he hasn't um, embraced and hasn't been enamored the fan base with what he said in the press conferences. But um, I, I think, you know, it's, it's certainly as coaches, yeah, you want him to step up there and say, yeah, this is on me. I, and, I, and I get that. I've been there. I've had those conferences. Yeah, I've said it. Look, this is my fault and so on. Behind closed doors, I'm going to show film and say, look, these are the things we have to get better at. This is where we're screwing up. We have to do this better. If not, you will not see the floor. This is unacceptable. This is not who we are. We will not allow this. This will not happen. And so, you know, it's just it's just the way of the world right now for, for and especially for Coach Payne. So, Jeff, yeah, I, I just think he's he's not, um, you know, it's it's his first head coaching job, first time he's had to do this, and he's dealing with losses and, and frustration, and he's saying things that he thinks is going to um, kind of spin it in a way that's favorable, and it's kind of doing the opposite. If you talk to guys who have had that this, this role uh, since Rick Pitino, if you talk to to David Paget and Mike Pegues in interim roles, if you talk to uh, obviously Chris Mack, um, and Chris was the one who would who would say it uh, quite often was um, there are there's way more to this job than I think people realize, mm-hmm. and 
you know, I, I, that's not to say that, um, you know, other, other big time jobs in college basketball that uh, outside of the, the Kansas Duke, Kentucky, North Carolina realm. Okay. And, and you throw Indiana in there, obviously in our region. Um, and with the history there, there's so much pressure in a small finite number of jobs in the country. And when you get in those doors, when you walk in those doors, you pull the, the famous joke of like one day you're wearing one team's polo, the next day you're, you put on your new polo and you're, you're with that team. Right. But when mm -hmm. you, when you walk in those doors and you are the head coach, it's a whole different deal. And I think that's a, a very hard adjustment for people who in previous uh, walks of life, uh, whether that's an NBA assistant, uh, being one of the, the top assistants at UK, it's a very different role uh, to have to be the one who is speaking yeah. on behalf of the program. And so, yeah, I, 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 I think there is an element of, of a learning experience for Kenny Payne. And unfortunately for him, I think um, it's a steep learning experience. And I don't know that he has a whole lot of time uh, left to to show that he's learning uh, and growing versus just like, okay, it's either sink or swim time. Um, but what I would just say about it is he painted himself into a tough corner here because all of last year it was uh, my team's not talented enough and we're losing a lot of these games because of that. So then in the off season, the conversation was they went out and basically revamped the roster. Well, now this is a roster that you put together fully through a full off season and you can't use that same argument anymore because we look at some of the, the names on this list. And I, I do think there is some talent here that that is a, an upgrade from last year. Um, no, I, I think that, and that's a yeah, problem. I think, yeah. I think that the talent upgrade. Yeah. There's enough talent here to win some basketball games for sure. And, and, I'll, and I'll add just this last point. I agree with everything you guys are saying. And obviously like the talent comment from Monday night, like that's pure coach speak and people got all riled up about it, but like, that's a very classic coach speak thing to say, but you're the head coach at the, at the university of Louisville. You don't get that. You don't get that runway to, to learn and grow into the job. And, uh, and it's not, you know, our fault that Kenny Payne had never been a head coach before. Right. To where, no, to where, yeah. Where he, you know, he, if you were at a, a DePaul or a mid-major job, you get to learn and grow into that. But I'm sorry, it's Louisville. It's supposed to be one of the seven, eight best jobs in the country. You don't get that runway to figure things out. You got to get on it and go. So I know we've, we've already gone long, long, a little bit longer than <laughs> we wanted to. So I, I apologize for that. But one very last thing before we get out of here, we'll go lightning round style quickly here. I could not do this podcast right before the start of the college basketball season and not get Oof. a final four pick out of you guys. So oh, Mark, go, go ahead, Mark. <laughs> oh man. I, listen, uh, you know, right before, and again, I'm going to toot my own horn as uh, we were wounding down the season last year, I picked San Diego state to go to the final four and you there we go. To the final four. There we go. And that was last, but that was last year. So like this year, <laughs> I need to see Jack. I'm sorry. I need to see that first week of the season. I want to see um, where teams are at with certain things. And, and, uh, um, I, I'm sorry. I, 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 let me see. Uh, and I'm just doing this off the top of my head. I, I mean, I love Kansas. I think they're, they're, they're built to win. Um, I think Purdue is going to have the redemption story. I don't know if their guards are, you know, for me to, to win an NCAA championship, you got to have at least one or two pros, you know, even when Virginia, you know, won it, they had DeAndre Hunter, they had some other guys, you know, guys who had a cup of coffee, their guards who, who made the NBA. 
I don't know if Purdue has enough to 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 get there and maybe to win it. They're talented, but to me, you got to have one or two NBA players um, to to really have a shot at. But um, give me Kansas and Purdue um, to make it to the Final Four. How's that? I'll take chalk. All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll we'll circle back around in a couple of weeks for you. That coach, you're not letting you off the hook that <laughs> Thank easily. You. But Thank yeah. You. But Jeff, Sorry. Jeff, who you want? No, you're all good. <laughs> Uh, no, I love it. Um, I'll just be, I'll be fast. I, I think uh, I'm just looking at, at um, some thoughts that I've previously written. Down I, I could go I, quickly if, uh, I got no, 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 I'll tell you, I, I I'm with you. I, I think Kansas is kind of the uh, Kansas is the one that I kind of pen in. I mean, obviously it takes a lot to get to the final four. It's really hard to win four games in the NCAA tournament. Uh, to get there. So uh, it's crazy to say that I would pen anybody in, but I'm going to say Kansas. I I think Purdue gets there this year. Um, I'll throw in a team that this is probably a a pretty sig. It's not make or break, but it's a significant year for Hubert Davis, but I really like North Carolina. Um, And then I'm going to throw in another one um, that I thought was a, a team that was good enough to go to the final four after watching uh, them quite a bit last year randomly. Uh, But I like Arizona. Um, So I got what Kansas, Arizona, North Carolina. Uh, Why don't we throw in one, one of the um, I'll throw in Purdue. I feel like maybe Purdue or or Houston can get to the final four this year. I realize those are all like top three teams. (laughs) I always say, like, I want a couple of the top teams, and you kind of got to go down low, just kind of take a couple shots and see how it goes off. So I'm leaving Kansas out just because I'm not I'm not sold on on the perimeter shooting if they can hit enough shots in tournament games to be able to. And obviously, I think they're going to be great. They're probably going to be a one or two seed. By the end of the day, you got to hit shots to win games in March. I am going to go Duke. Uh, that they haven't been mentioned yet. Uh, Phillip House, yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, Philip back. Uh, Proctor's back. I think they're going to be really good. Michigan State, they bring everyone back. I love their guard play. Cohen Carr is absolutely electric already. Um, and then I'll, I'll take kind of two shots here with with um uh as we lost coach there, but that's all with, right. Um, yeah, with, with <laughs> Arkansas, who I was very impressed with in their exhibition win over Purdue. If Musselman's already got them rolling. I, 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 that, that could be really scary. Mm. And then I'll take Villanova of all the talent that they have. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Neptune. Wow. Yeah. You got to take shots. They got a lot of wow. talent on that okay. roster. So Wait, Jack, who, Jack, so who wins the ACC then? If the, if is Duke, your ACC winner. Duke always Duke goes farther in the tournament, but they don't win the ACC. Okay. That, so that, that's the ACC. I have no idea if it's not Duke. <laughs> That's the issue Could, I'm having. I mean, like, like, like I kind of have to pick Duke by default, but I, I guess Miami. I can go Miami to win the ACC. Miami, okay, that's yeah. a good choice. I, I, and I do like Miami. Um, I was a little concerned uh, in doing my, um, in doing my. Uh, I, I worked on the, on the uh, Lindy's uh, preseason magazine uh, together and. Got a little concerned about Virginia, but then I started to read a little bit more about them and felt like maybe the computers are not giving them enough uh, enough love. I, I mean, obviously having a great head coach will help you uh, in that regard. So you got to think there are contenders. I, I don't know what I don't know what it is, but um, I, I mean, I could point to a few things. I just really like North Carolina. And maybe I'll be maybe I'll be way off on that, um, but I just feel like there is a bounce back in there uh, for a program that's just too good to not c- 
consistently be among the best in the country. I, I think there's a little bit of addition by subtraction there without Caleb Love. Um, um, I, I think I think RJ Davis who is and, ironically and, on one of the teams that I just picked. To go to yeah, the you have the Caleb Love Bowl there. Yeah, that would <laughs> there be good. In Phoenix, but 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 I, I think obviously you get Baycott back there again. I just think they're kind of in a prove it mode for me. Like yeah, like uh, to where sure. you know I've watched Huber Davis for two seasons now, and outside of one miracle run in March, they haven't been good. They it, it, so to me they need to prove it to where or they need to show me they're legit before I trust them to do. Ab- to one make the NCAA tournament, but but do absolutely anything once Oof. they get into the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. But, but yeah, I mean, hey, you got you can't win the NCAA tournament or be in yeah. the Final Four uh, if you don't make it. That being said, and this is something that uh, Mark and I will get into more as the season goes along. I do think the ACC is going to be a bit better this year. Um, yeah, they're, it's, they're, be solid. It, it's still pretty bare at the bottom, but but I do think you're starting to see that top kind of replenish itself, especially with Duke. And, and Miami up top, Virginia, as you mentioned, and if Carolina can bounce back also, I think, you know, that could that could form a pretty solid top four, which is something the ACC hasn't had the last few years. Jack, but, here's here's one. Here's a last shout for you, okay? Yeah. Um, the very last comment, uh, and obviously this will change once uh, once we start uploading your, your new shows here, um, but the very last comment on Floyd Street's finest is that there's not enough pit talk. <laughs> Uh, on on a on a Louisville men's basketball <laughs> podcast, so that makes no sense. But uh, Pitt basketball this year, do you think they make the NCAA tournament? They did last year, and they bring back Federico. Federico, why not? Why not? Okay, why not? I don't think I don't think they will, but I'm hopeful. Fair enough. We'll see. Fair enough. Anyways, thanks so much for tuning in, Floyd Street's finest. Mark and I will be back next week. Jeff, thanks so much for the time this week. Looking forward to it. Do it all season long. Federico, Federico talk. (laughs) This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.